Welcome to our fourth and final episode in the Stewardship Series on the First Lutheran Podcast. Today, Pastor Jeff, Jordan, and Mason will discuss stewarding thanks, Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Our gospel text for this Sunday comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Welcome to uh, the fourth episode of this stewardship uh, series we have going here at First Lutheran. Uh, this week we have Jordan and Pastor Jeff with us to talk through Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19 that Jeff just read. Well, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us again, Mason. Yeah, same. All right, let's get to it. So it's not about 10% or 100%. Or what we should do, but it's a, a depiction of what Jesus did. It's a depiction did. of what Jesus does. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's that. Um, it also is not seeking uh, the recognition of being able to say, well, I get that Jesus has done this. I mean, there's freedom in just doing because this is your life or this is your vocation. But um, a lot of times I think what, what the posture becomes is, I'm special because I get that Jesus did this. Mm-hmm. And now, because I can recognize that, that mm-hmm. sets me apart from everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a whole other factor uh, in that as well, uh, when that happens. I think, too, about um, like being healed and recognizing you've been healed, but like not having... So we recognize that this person came back, but like, what about the other nine if they just went out and kept going to praise God as they're going rather than returning. Um, like he has the chance at Christ's feet to say thank you. So like, good idea. But what if you're just praising at God's feet as you continually go out now that you've been healed? I would say that the nine go out into the world as right. healed people. And it's that whole understanding of, you know, before Christ, uh, they were set apart because they were not part of regular culture. They didn't have jobs. They didn't have the ability to function even as human beings, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so y- though it's not in words in this text, they're restored. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're sent back. They go to the priests. They abide by the law to, to be named as good, good enough. And, there's there's a there's a an understanding that even though we don't hear that the nine return, they certainly have been restored in culture, um, in in the way that we would understand that. So that's that's really amazing, and that's again that's Christ's work. Could you explain what does it mean to be restored in culture? Like why did they have to go to the priest? Well, according to Jewish law, they would have been unclean, so they would have been set apart. They wouldn't have been allowed to even worship. Uh, as the first thing, 
but uh, you you would not have been allowed to even function in and around other people because you were unclean. You were set apart. Uh, you couldn't be in the same airspace yeah. as as those other people because you would uh, infect others by your presence there. Um, so they were they were really set apart. Uh, they would not have been allowed even uh, into the Temple Mount area, as an example. Mm-hmm. Even though they might have been uh, of the Jewish faith, would not have been allowed. Not even in the outer court, where Gentiles were even allowed. Oh, okay. So that's an understanding that's entirely different when we understand Jewish law. Uh, is even those that were not welcome, quote-unquote, the Gentiles, even had their own court on the Temple Mount. These people would not have even been allowed there. They would not have even been part of that. I have a question, just kind of going off with that, too. Of um, Is this the time period where people would have assumed that um, these 10 were sick because of their lack of faith rather than a low immune system or whatever? Um, and so Jesus literally saying your faith has made you well is what has healed rather than medications or anything like that. Right. Well, and the other thing um, in that understanding was that they would be suffering because of sins of some kind in either their parents or themselves at that point. So, um, you know, the recognition was, of course, this now is God's immense favor. What have they done to gain God's favor? Well, what did they really do? It wasn't like they, you know, were rich and gave all their possessions or uh, built a temple to God, you know, all of those things. Um, no, R- really, it was just the belief that Christ could do this was what it took for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. The, and the belief that Jesus could do this was demonstrated by the fact that they asked. Yeah. They knew that he could do this. That's yeah. that's why they asked. They didn't just hopelessly toss that out to some passerby. It's kind of that whole, um, I know this gets a little bit theological, but it's kind of that whole text where Luther deals with uh, like the Habakkuk text. God, in your wrath, remember your mercy. It's it's actually understanding you have a God and you have trust in the fact that it is possible for God to do this for you um, and that the mercy is unwarranted favor uh, that comes to you. And this is exactly how Christ works. He finds you in the lowly midst of your own sinfulness and strips that away, takes it completely away. Um, And what resides after that is this freedom and faith that actually now uh, puts you in a different posture of life. And what the text is talking about, again, is that depiction of what Christ is doing, not Mm -hmm. what you have to do in order to gain it. Right. You're not supposed to be part of the nine that goes out in the world, or you're not supposed to be the one that returns and says thanks. Right. (laughs) So in talking about, you know, this particular text, um, a lot of times what becomes kind of our mindset in the discussion is um, what's enough? Mm -hmm. You know, um, even in common culture, um, I recently met with my financial planner. Nothing to do with church or faith. And as we were looking at, you know, the various categories of our financial life, uh, giving was already listed at 10%, you know, (laughs) as a secular item in a budget line item. So it's something that it's not just a church expectation. I mean, it's kind of out there in culture as well. So, um, but you kind of get in this mindset that, well, um, I've surely given my 
10% or whatever it is, you know, so I'm, I'm good enough, you know, that everything else I get to, to keep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this becomes the problematic part of our mindset and how we even approach stewardship from a faith perspective or, or from that posture again, um, where, where Christ, um, has no percentage figure in mind here. Mm-hmm. Um, what he's demanding is all. And what that means is he's expecting you to live your life free of the demands that a law would put on you in that regards. I mean, it'd be easy for us every week to stand up in the pulpit and say, who hasn't given 10%? And we get out the roles, you know, <laughs> of the church and the financial roles and say, well, mm-hmm. you surely haven't given 10%. What's wrong with you? You know, that kind of thing, which of course is our great fear. Uh, that mm-hmm. God knows this about us, right? So mm-hmm. then you operate from this posture of, of guilt and, and stuff too. So, Yeah, I also think about um, that 10% idea, but I also like went out and did cleanup right after the tornado stuff. And thinking about that in the sense of stewardship as well, it doesn't mean that doing this cleanup and um, being a steward in that way, that I'm not going to do my tithe the next week or the next month. It's, I've done that, but I also have this to give, and I'm going to give this now because it's what's needed. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of times um, when we think of stewardship, and especially when we attach ourselves to a number or something like that, what, what it kind of um, keys up in us is, a, is kind of a taxation idea. That, uh, you know, of course, this comes around for us every year on April mm-hmm. 15th, right? This is my due part for being a citizen of this country. Is And, and of course, what do we do there, too? Uh, we try and find every way of getting out of pay, you know, a flat percentage of, of what we owe, you know, and deductions. And, well, I've given to this, that, or the other, and I have kids. And, you know, there's so many ways that we try and rationalize out of that mindset that we're going to give the flat rate. And I think a lot of times that's the same kind of mentality we approach in stewardship, especially from a money perspective. But also, like you were saying, Jordan, um, I appreciate you talked about, again, about time and other talent uh, areas that um, I may not have, you know, the dollars in my checkbook, but my stewardship now is going to be this amount of time. And that makes it right or it's been paid in full because I have been able to do that type of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, it's that trying to put a value on what faith is and how that functions for us. Do you feel like that's changed? I mean, the statistic that's in this study it says that right in the Great Depression, people gave 3% of their annual income. Today, mm-hmm. it's 2%. Do you feel like, I totally understand that it's regardless of whatever percentage it is, but has there been a shift that like congregations today, like even our own congregation don't understand that stewarding of thanks, like as a whole? Mm -hmm. I think um, I was in a conversation recently about stewardship, uh, and we talked about how it needs to be an amount that you notice. So I am a recent college grad that is trying to pay back a lot of loans. Um, And so the amount that I picked maybe isn't 10%, um, and I don't want to admit that on a podcast, but um, it is an amount that each month I notice that's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if it is you're giving financially um, and you notice that's gone, okay. But if it's you're giving your time or your talents, you need to give what you notice um, because that's your giving back to Christ. And that's the um, 
1% that came back from the 10 that were healed that said, I noticed this happened and now I need to go back and thank for this. Um, maybe the other nine didn't need necessarily that to say, I've noticed this is gone. Yeah, I think I think it's really easy. And even in our conversations here, I think we've edged a little bit on this um, being able to, to um, uh, quantify mm-hmm. yeah. what we're doing again, um, which, which again is exactly what Christ is not doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because what he is doing, well, first of all, um, we, we all know the text of the rich man that comes to Christ and says, what do I need to inherit eternal life? And he says, sell everything you own, give it to the poor and come follow me. This is exactly right. Christ is demanding all because it is all of your life which is lived out in stewardship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not recognizing necessarily, again, I've done my 10%. Well, now, Mason, it's your turn. You, you, you need to take the next leg of this or, or anything mm-hmm. like that. But, but really it is being freed to live your life not against the demand of that uh, expectation of quantity, but that it truly is your life that is being lived out for the kingdom of God. If your entire life is is pivoted to understanding that everything is stewardship, then I'm sure you'll notice that <laughs> mm-hmm. your entire life is is that way. Not just how much you you give time wise or money wise. Like you'll notice that your entire life new trajectory or new orientation is that way. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that that's the thing that I think that's the end game of what we're trying to say here today is that um, it's easy to get caught up in that what we need to do part of it. Um, but again, th- that's, you'll never get enough to what Christ is demanding on you because you can't do it. Mm-hmm. He's going to do it. Um, and, and so that makes all the difference in the world when you're freed from that demand again and know that you can live your life, you can live your work, you can live your vocation, you can live your family, all of these things that quantify your life, not against the demand of what you need to do, but because it's been done. Mm-hmm. And that's entirely different. Yeah, I think the plea of um, have mercy on us, Lord, that the 10 present in this text goes right along with that of um, we're doing what we can and we are going to mess up because we're human um, and we've put all of these qualifiers on things. But that mercy plea is what we're really going after of we want to do the best we can, but Christ's mercy is what makes up for the fact that we're not going to be able to live up to the standards that we've set for ourselves or that we want to achieve to have this holy life. Right. I was thinking of a story that actually closely relates to my own life. I mean, it's true um, in that uh, I had a situation where um, someone in my life would say, you know, I, I'm able to do this or I'm able to offer this because God first gave it to me as a blessing and it's, it's not really mine. I need to steward it. So that means that I, uh, I'm going to allow others to use it and those kinds of things. Um, and the funny thing was, is when the dynamic changed where I was no longer, uh, any sort of a benefit to him, uh, I no longer had access to what that benefit was. Uh, or what mm-hmm. what he had that he said he was stewarding for others, there was still this little uh, contingency on it right. that uh, there had to be benefit for me in order for me to, to remain in a posture where it's truly God's blessing for everybody type mm-hmm. of thing. So 
Um, I think it's easy for us to get caught up in little trips like that too, you know, stumbling blocks uh, as we relate this that way uh, as well. Thinking back to last week and thinking about that um, gift of faith that we've been given and this promise of faith and it's uh, nothing that we can do to achieve it or um, they ask, give us more faith, but Mm -hmm. this is a gift from Christ um, and that's where we find our stewardship coming from as well. Yeah, I think kind of where we where we want to um, make this kind of come home for us today is that um, the ten percent or the the one of the nine that returns um, is not all that Christ um, is going to expect. Uh, he he actually is going to do this for all mm-hmm. because it's his promise given, and he's the operator in that again, um, and and again that. Um, He's not doing this uh, because of who we are or what we deserve or how we've even lived our life. He's actually doing this because of who he is. Um, and, and again, that is not to glorify those that faith is given and that faith functions for in so much as it is to glorify God and to glorify what God is doing in his kingdom in the world and where that is known and seen and felt and all of those various ways is to Christ's glory not that of our own. Uh, and that's, that's actually uh, the good news of this, this text, is um, regardless of who you are, what you give, how you live your life, Christ has done this for you already. And he is perfect in what he does. And that glorifies and thanks God. Thank you for joining us for this final episode in the stewardship series on the First Lutheran Podcast. Be sure to follow us so that you see all of our podcasts coming out in the future.